eventually it's going to happen. Traveling from town to town, disciples in tow, he's going to eventually get there. He's going to find home. Now remember, he had already been baptized. He had already began his ministry. People are coming from far distances to see and hear Jesus. He's healing the sick, bringing the dead to life. A lot is going on at this point in Jesus' life. He's even gotten the attention of the government officials as well as the religious leaders. People of all walks of life are realizing there's something different about this man. But when Jesus goes home to Nazareth, The town looks at him and says, hey, isn't isn't that Mary and Joseph's boy? You know, when he was little, he used to play with our kids. You remember him, the one that's the carpenter now. Yeah, we know him. Well, why why is he talking? He's, He's nothing special. Why would we waste our time talking with him when we have work to do? He's just like us. He's one of us. And they took offense at what he was claiming to do. And they left him there. And he left Nazareth, moving on to the next town. How sad is that? This is Jesus. And in verse 4, Jesus said to the disciples, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. Jesus, already knowing these people, was amazed at their lack of faith. The lack of faith in God, the lack of faith in him, the lack of faith in humanity's progression. I don't know about you, but I'm not the same person I was when I was a child. My mom and aunt can tell you stories of how I would cry if someone tried to talk to me at the grocery store. It wasn't until the second to the last week of first grade that I raised my hand for the first time in class. I'm not the same person I was when I was a child. My faith and my life experiences have given me the confidence to be who I'm called to be. Here, Jesus comes home and the good people of Nazareth don't even hear him out. They look at him like he's just a regular hometown kid like all the rest of them, and they go back to their regular routines. Not letting that get the best of him, Jesus continues on to the next town. Only this time, and I don't know if it's because the next town is so close to home, or because it's time for the disciples to begin their hands-on learning experiences. Jesus sends his disciples out 
in pairs to teach God's message, God's word of love. He's giving them comfort by not letting them go alone. And he's giving them confidence by telling them that they have the authority to do this kind of work. Those are two things that we need when we go out the first time. It's two things that we give our kids when they go out to do mission work. We tell them, you can do this. Make sure you stay together. Have, have at least one other person with you. And remember, you can do this. Jesus reminds them that there are no required tools or equipment for this kind of work. That they have within them everything they need. And he reminds them that if they aren't welcome in one place to shake it off and keep going. So much of this chapter is good advice. And when the disciples returned to Jesus, then they began telling all of the things that they had done, all of the things that they were able to do because he sent them out to do this work. Two weeks from today, on the 24th, our own youth will share with us all the things that they were able to do this summer. Our high schoolers that went to Detroit last week, they're going to be standing up here, and I imagine that they're going to have the same energy and passion to tell you what all they were able to do as these disciples have when they're telling Jesus what they were able to do. Our Cairo students that are going to be in Davenport this week, that we're going to be praying for this week, they're going to come back with these pictures and these slideshows, and they're going to be able to show you what they were able to do because of your support. These disciples were excited because they were actually able to do something. They were able to do good they were able to spread this message of love into this world, into places they had never been before. They were able to share the things they had seen, the things that they had heard, the things that shaped the world as they view it. They were able to tell the stories of the love that they gave, but the love that they also received, the hospitality that they received from others. As we learned last week in Detroit, sometimes it's, it's easy to go out and give love to people. Sometimes it's harder to receive it. And to let people that don't have much give you what they have to tell you thank you. Jesus, being the good mentor he was, realized the disciples had done a lot of work. He realized they were exhausted, that they needed rest, some downtime. After all, he didn't want them to burn out this quickly into it. And so he instructed them to get on the boat 
As you can tell from Mark, a lot of times when they get tired of crowds, they retreat to the boat to go someplace else. Only this time, the crowds, they followed them on the shoreline. And when they docked, Jesus looked over, seeing that large crowd, and said, All right, you win. Let's sit down. Let's talk. And these crowds gathered around Jesus, and he taught them. He taught them love. And as the day progressed, the disciples, they started looking down. They didn't have watches, but they started realizing it's getting late. These people, they're, they're tired. They're hungry. We're in the middle of nowhere here on this countryside. We've got to let them go so that they have time to walk to the nearby town so that they can go and buy some food. And when they interrupt Jesus to tell him this, Jesus looks back and he says, you feed them. And these disciples that had only gone out on their own once before, I would have loved to have seen the expressions on their faces. Because they didn't know what to do. It's virtually impossible what Jesus is asking because they're so far away, they could never make it into a town, get enough food and make it back. And besides that, they don't have enough money to go out. Jesus told them not to bring anything, that they had it all with them. And how are they even going to buy this food? And so Jesus tells them, go get what you can. And they do. And they lay what has been given in front of Jesus. And he blesses it. And he breaks it. And they pass it out to these crowds, these groups that are gathered. (coughs) And these people, they start to share their stories and their lives with each other. They start to share their food and their meals. And as you've heard it before, I imagine people say, oh, I've, I've got some, some more food with me. Because when you see your neighbor is hungry and you have something to feed them, you feed them. In times of need, there are always people there to do good. People in our darkest times are there at their best. They all chip in and help those around them. In this case, food that people had was shared, distributed so that everyone was full. This week, as the world saw our darkest side, 
replayed over and over again. Television, internet, social media. Literally, Tuesday, watching real human life lost on camera. Wednesday, again, watching real human life die on camera. Thursday, distant scenes, audio of shots as 12 people received gun wounds, five of which were killed. As we sat in our homes, able to tuck our children in at night. And then crying later, because we knew somewhere, someone else wasn't afforded the same luxury. As we prayed, not knowing what to say. As we got angry at God, as we got angry at all of those around us, as we got to the point where we couldn't watch TV, we couldn't get on Facebook, we couldn't look at Twitter. As our anger consumed us and our hearts became numb, we continued life without our words, without our voices. And we awoke the next morning to scenes of people lining up for blocks to hug total strangers. We awoke to a video of people passing out water to anyone who was thirsty. We awoke to prisoners breaking out of their cell to save a guard's life. In that moment, not caring what the consequence to their own life is going to be, but realizing they couldn't just sit there and watch someone die in front of them without helping. We awoke to people who had found their voice, people who stood up and said what we were all frustrated at each other for, that you can be both pro-black lives and pro-police, that those two are not mutually exclusive. We saw people walking hand in hand alongside each other peacefully, showing the rest of us that peace and love is possible regardless of who is beside you. We were reminded that love always wins over fear. We were finally able to mourn for those families the families of Alton Sterling, of Philando Castile, for Michael Cruel, Brent Thompson, Michael Smith, Patrick Zemiripa, Lorne Ahrens, and all of those that were still hospitalized and traumatized because we found our hope and faith again.
we remembered that there is good in people. And the good shines brighter than any darkness that comes our way. There are lots of good lessons to be learned in this chapter. Jesus is reminding us today, wherever we are in this process, no matter, no matter how deep we are in, that no special tools are required or needed. That we possess all we need to spread love to others. Even when it doesn't feel like it in the moment, Love wins. Sharing love, no strings attached, changes people. Experiencing unconditional love is what changed me. It's what gives me hope. And it's what gives people hope throughout all time periods, throughout cultural lines and boundaries. Let us be motivated by love, caring and serving those around us, listening and hearing them, their stories, their lives. Let us be encouraged by those around us. Let us accept love as we offer love, for love is what we need. Amen. Let us sing our hymn of invitation, number 422, let us talents and tongues employ. <laughs> 